This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to another episode of Awesome Etiquette, just barely. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm Lizzie Post from the Emily Post Institute. And by just barely, Dan means we just barely are able to record this episode this week. We're squeaking it in. Our poor producer, Nina, we're giving her very little editing time. But Dan actually just literally walked off a flight from, where were you coming from? Uh, Started off in St. Louis, but I couldn't get home yesterday as planned. So I ended up (laughs) routed through Detroit and about 24 hours later... Here we are. (laughs) Here we are with lots of coffee. Anyway, today we thought we would start off talking about a question a lot of you are writing in about. So um, we won't actually include it in our our run of questions. But Mm -hmm. everyone has questions about how to correct other people in public. And usually they're talking about strangers. Occasionally people are writing in about a friend or acquaintance at like a dinner party or something like that. But it's, it's advice we have talked about before on the show, mm-hmm. but we thought we'd give it a little more attention today. We've touched on it, this this question. Well, we've straight up answered the question, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like every circumstance is different. And it's definitely uh, worth revisiting because it's such a big part of answering etiquette questions. And that's, of course, what this show's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so some things that people have written in about um, – Bad parking jobs. That's the one that I'm always like, especially at our our offices. There's there's a lot of other offices within our building and um, it can it can get tough. And I'll tell you the example that I've got on my mind very fresh right now because I've been teaching the business etiquette seminar material is what you do in the workplace when you have a coworker that you're working with who's doing something that you find annoying or that you see that is bothering other people. And we're talking about little stuff here. Mm -hmm. Not not the big stuff that really has to go to HR. Not the big stuff where you would would have to get a manager from an establishment to step in. It's one of the particularly tricky things about rude behavior. It's not so egregious that someone's necessarily going to come make a point of stopping you. And that's what makes it so tricky. It's that subtle gray area territory. All right. Confession time. Have you ever have you ever kind of stepped outside? Our usual answer is don't engage and just kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, find a different way. But I want to know, have you ever can you think of a time off the top of your head where you've stepped outside and you've you've spoken up and said something? Absolutely. Yeah. Give, Give it to me. Give it to me. (laughs) <laughs> Usually it's um, uh, sort of a micro infraction. Yeah. Like you'll be standing in line and someone will slide in front of you. <laughs> and, and what do you Or say? in front of me. I'll, ta- I'll take responsibility. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I've been waiting here for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. I love hearing when Dan does it. I wish you could see the expression on his face. His eyes get really big. Like that's where the severity comes in. But I do the same thing. And, and, um, and it's important. Sometimes it feels like standing up for yourself. Sometimes yeah. it feels like standing up for the people around. You know, we, we've all been waiting here for a little while. Exactly. <laughs> is how that can sometimes sound. And it's more so just pointing it out. Like I, for me, when I do do something exactly like the situation you just said, because I've done that one, too. I try really hard in that moment to as much as possible give the other person that I'm correcting the benefit of the doubt that they completely missed the 15 people standing in that line because they're so in their own world. But I don't let that sarcasm and that nope. that jokingness come out. Instead, it's like, excuse me, I'm not sure if you realize there's there's this many people in line behind you or or the line actually starts back there. I, I try to put on my most sweet self. And, and of course, you're even straying into the better and better territory as we think about it more. But I, I, what I'm, I'm just trying to show you up. That's all. <laughs> well, you're good at the scripts. <laughs> no, but I also don't always have the gumption to stand up for myself the way mm. you do. And I want our listeners to take a cue mm. from you on this. Well, and, and this is what I'm, I'm noticing about both of our responses is that you're not telling the other person what to do. No. What you're doing is bringing their awareness to the other people in the, the situation, situation, how they're affected yeah. and impacted. That person might very well say... I'm in the biggest hurry of my life. I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to proceed. Most often they're not going to. (laughs) Most people don't want to be perceived as rude. Most people don't want to treat other people badly. The vast majority of rude behavior is unintentional. People just lacking the awareness or the the thought or the care for what the the people around them are feeling or experiencing. So in general, whether it's standing in a line or it's the parking thing or it's I, I don't even know they're they're not coming to mind right now but it really is up to you whether you're going to cross into that territory and we do always say safety first remember mm-hmm. so much of playing the safety first card also is is doing as much as you can to make it safe for yourself and that's why I go to the sickly sweet response because if there's any judgment or any conflict that starts to happen conflict or or what is it i'm I'm at a loss for the word right now but it's it's where you're really kind of you're standing up for yourself but it's almost in that indignant kind of way it's like Mm -hmm. if you let that attitude that negative attitude come out at all about it you give them that hook to bite on it's true inspires resistance it does it inspires resistance because their defense is going to go up because all of a sudden the stranger is pointing out something about their behavior so Mm. it's why i say go to that sickly sweet response that incredibly gentle response first and if it escalates then you can just walk away completely and and maybe not even sickly sweet because that maybe starts to to be insincere but just a sweetness that can't be second guessed there you go (laughs) there you go there you go one other thing i'd I'd love to say before we leave this discussion entirely is it's it's an old expression it's something my mother used to say to me and i think a lot of people's mothers have said to them (laughs) that whenever you point a finger at someone else you've got three fingers pointing back at you and there are a lot of situations in life where you really don't have standing to address someone else's behavior or it's simply not worth it the the potential for conflict is greater than the advantages or rewards that are there to be reaped and really discretion is the better part of valor or it's just more appropriate not to say something um in those moments i like to remind myself that it's me sometimes also (laughs) the example i give when i'm teaching is when i'm driving to work in the morning then you get your little grumpy (laughs) and you go a little fast maybe uh, cut someone off you didn't realize it (laughs) here we are it's vermont the person in front of you is going slow don't they know it's eight in the morning i've got to get to work other other days they're stacking up behind you don't they know this is vermont it's a beautiful day what's everyone in such a hurry for we are all the rude person at some point in our life and when we find ourselves sitting there really judging someone else 
else, oftentimes I think it's a healthier mental space to get into, to take that moment as an opportunity for a little self-reflection. I think that's a great point to end on. And with that, let's get to some of your other questions. You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. I really love this question. I thought it was a great question. It's a good one. So here it is. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, my husband and I both grew up in families which placed a high priority on higher education. We have two children, and each has had a college savings account since birth. We were very diligent about contributing to each account over the years, and as a result, each of our children was able to choose a college without regard to price when the time came. Although we are thankful for the many blessings in our lives, it was not always easy to add to the accounts each year and often required personal and family sacrifices. Both of our children looked for the college with the best fit for them, and both ended up at private institutions which are admittedly known for their high price tags. My problem is this. Most of the other parents in our various social circles have different views and are in different situations in terms of higher education and how to pay for it. We are definitely in the minority in terms of our philosophy and our strategy. Since college talk is prominent among parents of our age group, I am frequently faced with some awkward conversational situations. Here are the most common. Number one, a parent asks me for advice on how to conquer the miasma of financial aid. We never had to deal with this. Number two, a parent wants me to commiserate about the high cost of college these days and how it's impossible to afford. Number three, a parent finding out where my children attend school tells me that letting them choose such expensive colleges was a big mistake. You can get just as good an education at a state school... I don't know how to respond to any of these conversational black holes. It's hard to be honest without sounding snooty or getting into a financial discussion, which I find too personal. Also, in the case of number three, I feel offended by the implication that our philosophy, which continues to be very important to us, is flawed. Can you send me some gracious one-liners to use before (laughs) I change the subject? Sincerely, JB. What do you think, Dan? Oh, JB. First of all, I just want to congratulate you on raising two kids and getting them up to college age and out the door. (laughs) Always an accomplishment. And and congratulations to your kids for getting into schools that they're going to be happy at. I think that's really important. As far as the one-liners, we'll tease that one out a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I have with me at the mic today Lizzie Post, the master <laughs> of scripts and good responses. I but I, we're going to talk in the postscript today about uh, tiers in conversation and, and a way to think about a structure for conversation and what's appropriate to talk about in different situations. And this question definitely is going to lead us into that postscript really well because here you've got people asking about really personal things or talking to you about very personal things, your family and your finances. And um, I think that you're in you're in safe territory feeling like – it's not always appropriate the way people are approaching you or these discussions. At the same time, it's such a common thing that they're having to deal a common with because the kids are in college and all the parents around, everyone's going through it, so they're in the mix. Yep, so and it's a big th- deal. It's a big deal at this time of life. How do you think she should answer like the first one, let's, for instance? Yeah, let's, let's start to break them. it down. So when a parent asks you for advice on on what to do about financial aid, 
honesty is a good policy. You know, we, we, we haven't had to, to wrestle with that. I really sympathize. I hear it's a, a difficult thing to deal with. Oh, I like that. Just simply saying, I hear that's really tough to deal with. Sympathize. Let them know that they've been heard. Tell them that you don't particularly know, but no need to get into the reasons or details why. Could you say something like, um, gosh, you know, I just didn't, I don't have any good solutions for that one. Yeah. Right. Because you're not admitting that you didn't experience it. Absolutely. And you're also not admitting that you have any advice <laughs> whatsoever. But you show some sympathy. You show some empathy for their situation. Would and... you also think that maybe having someone um, who you could go to like, oh, did this did the guidance counselor offer you any suggestions? Mm-hmm. You know, I know here in Vermont we have VSAC. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show as an option for financial aid assistance. So maybe getting familiar with some of the places that are places to turn to so that you have that in your back pocket to say, you know, I hear people are working with this company and it's been helpful. Works for me. All right, cool. They might even refer them to another parent. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of people talk to you, you about this. You should talk to Jane about that. <laughs> Seriously. No, I, I know exactly. I mean, she's wrestling with this right now and she, I bet she's got some good advice. So passing off, being <laughs> sympathetic, and just simply saying, you know, like, wow, I've, I've heard that's difficult. Maybe try this. Or, or even just asking them how it's going. <laughs> yeah, just let them talk about it. Well, that's that's my trick. I always mm-hmm. just ask more questions. That makes them talk more. It's a good conversational tactic. Mm-hmm. And then excuse yourself to the restroom or go get to something at the buffet. Or, oh, I see Janet. I really need to go ask her a question. Would you excuse me for a moment? <laughs> Exit. <laughs> Number two, what do you think? The, they want to commiserate about how it's impossible to afford. They just are having that yeah. like, 
It's well, almost like they're venting to you. I, I, I hear that. This is one where I, I think it's probably possible to commiserate a little bit. Just because you've done the savings doesn't mean that you're not going to be spending that same large chunk of cash. I think it's a place where you could absolutely say that. Be like, oh, my gosh, I know the savings for it for us. It was it was tough at times making those choices. Absolutely. And and remains tough. There's all kinds of difficult choices to make. Yeah. Depending on how much you want to share about that, you, you, you can or you cannot <laughs> share a lot of your personal decision making. But you you can definitely tell them that you understand and, and commiserate just a little bit. You can always take the conversation into a more general place also. Um, oh, that's a great idea. On a national level, there's a discussion going on about the cost of college tuition, the amount of student loan debt, and the burden that that's placing on a whole generation of students and, and whether that's an appropriate amount of debt for this economy to sustain. Right. Right. And and again, you might start to, to, to drift into political and financial <laughs> discussions that you might not want to get involved in, but that's another place you might take that conversation. All right. So number three is by far the hardest because the, the parent is actually making a judgment. And that's one that it doesn't matter if it's about how you choose to raise your kids, where you choose to send them to school, what lifestyle you choose to live with your spouse. Just any time someone places a judgment Mm -hmm. like that, and it it really bothers me that people actually even say this to you. You can get just as good an education at a state school. Well, and from Burlington, Vermont, I'll tell you that you can spend almost as much on a state school, depending on where you're from, as you do on a private institution. When I went to UVM, it was the highest institution. Yeah, it it was the highest uh, tuition of any state school in the country. It's like insane. I'm, yeah. And I, I know that some state schools for their out-of-state tuition can just be astronomical. Absurdly <clears throat> astronomical. Yeah. Um, different different ways to handle this one. What it, do you it's think? tricky. I think sometimes when, when you're feeling offended, the best tactic is really to back away. It's not yeah. necessarily to respond in kind. That's always the test of good manners and good grace is how you deal with someone who's not showing <laughs> you the same courtesy and respect that you'd like to be shown or that you feel like you're showing them. So in other words, you shouldn't say something like, no, you can't, but good luck to Jimmy. <laughs> no, we can't well, say that. I'll tell you the other thing that I start to think about here is, you know, a parent can really help a, someone make a choice, but about the age of 18, they might choose to go to any school they want. At, at that on, stage, yeah, you're the giving parameters. them some advice. And, yeah. and if you're supporting them financially, that advice should matter. Yeah. Um, but but a lot of people at age 18 are making choices on their own and might choose to to take out loans and go to a school that's more expensive because that's where yeah. they want to go. Yeah. And I think it's also you can you can always be honest and just simply say, you know, this is this is the school that fits Sarah the best. And we wanted to support her in that. And just simply let it rest on the fact that you guys were able to let your kids make this choice. And this was the choice they made. And you're really proud of them for it. You could even say something like, yeah, and we'd be just as proud if she was at at a state school, too. But we're really proud that she made the choice that was best for her. And we're really happy she found a place where she she fits in, can get the education that she wants, whatever it is. Whatever it is. I think just owning the fact that you're you're proud of the decision that your child made and that, you know, you were happy to be able to support her in it and, and that she feels good about that fit. I think that's that's the answer for me. I like it. And <laughs> I like it, too. <laughs> I, I, I want to wish you the best and also thank you for that, that nice soft serve for our postscript today. <laughs> good luck, JV. Our next question begins. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. 
I am just recently engaged and I'm starting the planning process. Congratulations. Yay! I have been very fortunate to be invited to many weddings and be in several bridal parties. For our wedding, we decided not to have a bridal party because I don't want any of my friends to feel left out. If I had to choose a couple girls, I could, but would feel bad if I left the others out. Do you think it would be odd if I did not have a bridal party? Please share with me your thoughts. Thanks, Heather. Heather, I am totally on your side. I personally don't think I would, if, if I'm lucky enough to get married one day, I don't think I would want a bridal party. And Dan will sit across from me and laugh because I know it's a really hard thing to decide to do. <laughs> but when one of the very first weddings I went to of my peers was uh, one of my best friends, Emily, and she didn't have a bridal party. And she had all her gal pals from college and all her gal pals from high school there. And it was just the two of them. And it was like this light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. Because let's face it, a wedding is just about those two people. And I love the idea of having friends and family support. But I personally think it's really awesome to, to try to do something a little bit different. And I don't think you have to explain it to anyone other than this was the choice that we made. And it just it made it easier for us. And that's it. I like it. Lizzie's our wedding book author. <laughs> That's A plus answer. A, a more general answer that I found myself giving a lot when I answer um, wedding etiquette advice questions is that the trend these days is towards personalization. And really, if, if that's what you want to do, there's absolutely nothing. Uh, if you want to observe the more traditional structure and, and form, that's your choice and you're welcome totally. to do so. But if you want to do something that's more personal for you, that's entirely appropriate. Absolutely. Best of luck with the wedding, Heather. This question came in via the Infinite Guest Facebook page. Remember that you can post your questions to the Infinite Guest Facebook page. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that they know that you want your question <laughs> on our show. <laughs> Almost mangled that. All right. This question comes from Kelly. If someone regularly gives you clothes that aren't your style, should you just say thank you, grin and bear it? Or is there a way you can politely tell them that the clothes are just not something you care for? Ooh. I love this question. <laughs> Being the youngest, I dealt with stuff like this because hand-me-downs you get all the time. The thing I don't know is whether or not she means give you clothes like new clothes or clothes not new clothes. Is it a hand-me-down so situation? Let's talk both ways. New um, clothes. Hard to look a gift horse in the mouth. Bingo! <laughs> Thanks so much. This really isn't my style. No, you take the sweater. Sometimes you even wear it when grandma comes over. I would say that you're more generous than I am. You always, you always thank someone for the thought. Thanks yep. someone for the gift. Um, and then it's up to you what you decide to do with it after that. And, um, you know, we've all had that happen. You know, someone gets you a, a jacket or a sweater, like Dan said, that's just really not your style. And, you know... My bet you can you can sell it, you can donate it, you can hang on to it as a spare. I have a whole drawer full of sweatshirts and sweaters for people that come over in the winter time if they need they're a little chilly. Mm -hmm. Put something extra around on. the house sweaters. Yeah, you got it. Um, but I I look at it as once you've received it, it's really up to you what you do with it. So receive it with some grace. Thank receive them for the thought. I love that. You can always thank someone for the thought behind a gift. Absolutely. And you can also, you know, I, I'm not sure, Kelly, how old you are or what your family structure is like, but um, if this is like an aunt, you know, if the aunt ever asks, you know, your mom yep. 
for gift suggestions, she can always veer say, Mom, Mom, if you ever get the opportunity, tell, you know, Aunt Hoosie, what's it, that, sorry, I started thinking of all my aunt's <laughs> names and I didn't want to drop one in and I'm like, Sarah, Carol, Betsy, ah, I can't use any of those names. Um, Aunt Janet, you can always tell Aunt Janet, you know, um, that I would love jewelry or that I would love a book or a gift certificate to Amazon or something like that. N- never a better excuse to grow a relationship, but not in the moment when the gift is being exchanged. Ew, you never. do it at a different time and exactly. and you know have them over for dinner and just work it into the conversation whatever yeah. um, and <laughs> work it into the con- <laughs> come over for dinner so that i can slowly but surely after four glasses of wine get you to buy me better gifts well, it, it, I'm it, just kidding <laughs> Dan's yes and this no look like, <laughs> <laughs> you're so not kidding with me <laughs> well and I, i'm reminded of a situation growing up yeah. Um, and it was it an annual me. Christmas present from an aunt. And over a couple years, we mm-hmm. were able to give some feedback, not when the gift was being exchanged. Okay. Um, and to the point where now it's a it's a tradition that we get the same thing from this aunt every year. and We look forward to it and we love it. <laughs> and it took a couple years to get it right. But that was a situation where it was repeating. It was happening again. It was worth doing that work away from the gift itself. Yeah. In that same aunt, uncle, cousin gift exchange, yeah. there was an episode when we were all much younger. And yeah. there was an absolute tantrum. No around way. a gift that was given that was not the gift someone wanted. They, <sighs> and it, it's difficult. It's often a, a, moment, a rite of passage in childhood. The first tantrum, the first getting the thing that you don't want. Your brother, Definitely sister, sibling one. <laughs> gets the other thing and, and parents deal with it. And it's it's my example it's that brutal. I go to in my mind of it, that it's a fundamental etiquette skill to learn how to receive gifts well. Um, We'll leave it there. I won't tell stories. It'll be too revealing. <laughs> oh, really? I would. My mom one year got me all books. I was like 11 years old for my birthday, and she's sworn she'll never buy me another book again because literally sat there at the table, mm-hmm. and by the end of the night, we were like, great, I've got a library. I'm like 11, you know, mm-hmm. and she was very sweet. I actually wound up loving the books. She would read them to me when I was sick, that sort of thing. It was great, but it was kind of, it's now this like joke that like I don't get books. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, if these gifts are not not like gift gifts if they are just someone's giving you clothes for instance I have a sister who's got some really impeccable clothing taste and mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that she always comes to me usually first to whenever she's cleaning out her closet and I've really inherited some great stuff over the years because of it Hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That being said... I've had friends who've tried to give me stuff that mm-hmm. maybe isn't exactly my taste. It's not what I want. Um, you don't have to be someone else's dumping ground. And I've learned two things. One, I've learned that if um, I see an opportunity, I take it. And so, heck, man, it's tax season. I do not mind at all if I have the time and I have the energy to be 
taking in stuff from other people and then donating it and getting the tax right off myself, hey, <laughs> if they're not going to take it, if they're not going to do it, if they don't mind that this is what I'm going to do with it, then mm-hmm. I go for it. Um, if not, then I'll say, listen, you know, really not interested, just cleaned out my closet, not looking for more stuff, but thank you so much. Love it. <laughs> Simple and sweet. Kelly, we hope that that helps and um, good good luck with these unwanted yet generous items. <laughs> Our next question begins. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I appreciated your recent podcast segment regarding social media shaming. Within the last month, I witnessed a particularly vicious example of such online bashing on my high school alumni Facebook site. A younger alum posted a news article about a former teacher at the school. The comments that followed did not refer to the news item, but comprised increasingly vitriolic and venomous personal attacks on the teacher. Both parents and former students contributed, and I was appalled. This teacher, who transferred to a different school 10 years ago, had very high academic expectations and taught upper-level math and science classes. Our son benefited greatly from his tutelage, and we, as parents, felt grateful for this teacher's interest and dedication. I did not add any comment, as I did not want to open myself or my son to the group's attention. But I wonder what one can or should do when faced with such nastiness. Is it appropriate to write a comment disagreeing with their opinions, or to simply say, stop this right now? Or do we just leave it alone and hope it dies of its own accord? Somehow the latter seems cowardly and somehow wrong. What do you advise? Oh, that's a great question. And 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 I love this taking of the larger um, topic that we were talking about. We were talking about social media shaming on a, essentially a global scale and, and really yeah. bringing it into a small community. I think it really shows the, the scalability of a lot of the concepts that we talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Um, and I hadn't heard about it in this kind of a small space, but but I once I read your example, I started thinking about examples in my small hometown also mm-hmm. among a, a group of Facebook friends where there's definitely negative talk that starts Stuff happening. Happens. What do you but I I love the question that she poses at the end. It's some it seems wrong to just ignore it. Yet if you stand up for it, you're do opening you feed yourself the fire. Yeah, do you... you're opening yourself up as a new target. And that. And and there's always the you know, we we often say take the high ground of of, you know, voice your opinion but say, I'm not going to contribute to this. I feel like it's wrong and unfair or something like that. And even taking that kind of moral high ground, it really ticks off all the people who haven't been taking it. And mm-hmm. It not that that's a bad thing. I mean, they're doing a bad thing. They're doing something that isn't isn't in good taste. But I mean, how how do you handle it? I had a couple thoughts. Yeah, what would you suggest you do? As I was reading the question before I read the the, the second to last sentence about how this might feel cowardly to ignore yeah. it. The first thought I had was you you can always send a personal direct message to the teacher. Yeah, just to let them know that there are people out there that. That know them, the remember them fondly, and and support them. Oh, so just say it like that. I you, see. And and they, they they may or may not be aware of it. In other it's words, true. don't reference the 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 ugliness that's going on on the Facebook page. Just send a note to the person about how grateful you were for what they did for your son. Yep. I mean that 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 alone. Kind of like a random act of kindness spurred by uh-huh. a really horrible act. And of if they're aware that this is going on, that could be a saving grace for that person. The kind of thing that really just cha- changes your perspective on a really yeah. bad day. I like um, that a lot. I, I think that having a discussion with your child who um, had a good experience with that teacher, I think, is also important just to let them know that you've seen this going on and that you thought that their experience with that teacher is validating them in having a different opinion because it can get easy to get sucked in sure. to that kind of negative thinking um, and it can get easy to participate 
in in that kind of a a, a mob mentality. Um, sometimes, though, it, it, it's important to stand up and to say something. And mm-hmm. I, I think that you've got a good sense of balance here in this equation. I, I think that you're aware that you both open yourself up to attack. If you decide to stand up for this person, you open your child up to attack in, in some mm-hmm. small way. Um, and you also provide a, a certain amount of fuel for the fire. Although, if you see this starting to grow and fester and turn into some, and, and start to draw in people that are on a periphery and you think you might influence um, the, the likelihood that this continues to grow or not, you might not be able to address the problem itself. Maybe it is appropriate to say something and it, it could be as simple as um, I, I had a very different experience with this teacher that's, in my time at the school. That's what Just my so language, that you my brain start goes to provide to a little balance yeah. in the discussion. And yeah. you don't need to, to, to question the experience that other people are having, um, but you, you, you could start to provide a perspective that's just a slightly different perspective. So option number, what are we up to, three or four? <laughs> <laughs> four. Option, option number next. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think that if this is getting bad enough, this is it sounds like this is on an alumni page, correct? Mm-hmm. This is something thing that should be being monitored by the school that it that this teacher was uh-huh. better and I would alert the school I would alert whoever's responsible for managing this page that they have a really negative situation going on here that is unfair to the parties involved you can even explain how you don't feel comfortable voicing your own you know um positive interaction with this teacher, but that you feel like because you did have such a positive interaction with this teacher that that what is being said, albeit maybe these people's experiences, also feels weighted on the side of negativity and and being unfair. And that you would hope that the school would step in to defend or to shut the conversation down. I think that is the A plus answer. I think talking to the moderator of the page is a, a another really strong option <laughs> to have on the table. And and again, I really do think that you've got a nice balance here. You're you're, you're thinking about all the different factors that come into place. And if, if you don't feel um, sincere in yourself, if you don't feel like your personal integrity is um, is being well represented by you being silent, I think those are a couple of options that that might be good ones to pursue. And best of luck to you. We really appreciate that you're out there standing up for, for, for what the, you think is right. <laughs> for what you think is right and for the honesty of what you experience the situation to be. And best of luck. We hope that the conversation dies down quickly. Finally, today, we have a quick follow-up to last week's Postscript segment on subway etiquette. Our next listener writes, I live in New York City and take the subway regularly. Typical subway etiquette includes moving to the center of the car and or taking your backpack off when the subway is full. And here it connects to our (laughs) opener. Is it rude to ask someone to do this to make room, if done so in a polite manner? Or does this fall into the category of not commenting on someone's etiquette? Thanks. I vote the latter. I think this falls into the cat. I don't think you tell other people on the subway what they could do. I mean, if someone had a really big suitcase or something and there was clearly a spot they could move it to to make it easier for someone to sit down, you might say, hey, would you mind just moving your suitcase over so I could take a seat? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's for you. It's not so that this gentleman could take a seat. <laughs> it's, you know, that's, I don't know. That's about as far as I would go with it. I, I was thinking about that also in terms of our earlier advice. Right? You, you might bring their attention up. Oh, could you be careful your backpack keeps hitting me? Or maybe even that's where you start to... Uh, I'm trying to think of what you might say that would let yeah. someone know that the backpack was in the way without telling them to take it off or do something different with it. 
silence usually means don't go for it. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Um, if you could do, if you've got their eye, if there's a way that you could sort of give them a little look or something, just be like, oh, you're pack. Uh, I, I think it's too, much, nope, man, it's too much, man. It's too much. <laughs> okay. I'm watching Dan squirm as he says it. I'm like, you're not coming up with a confident way to say this. It's true. <laughs> then again, it might be my judgment on you that's making mm-hmm. that happen. But no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I think you're right here. And and um, sort of a little Siskel and Ebert moment where we're, we're, we're looking for independent perspectives. But I think we we're want something, but we end up in the same territory. <laughs> yeah, I think that hopefully best, it's a short ride. Yeah, the best bet is if and now if that backpack is right in your face or if it's bumping into you, then you have cause to say something. But if it's just for the benefit of the entire car, nope, don't say it. Unfortunately. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, please feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on our show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our Postscript segment for the week. And I love this segment because Dan actually came up with this and I, I thought it was such a clever way of identifying um, sort of what we what Dan calls the three tiers of conversation. Yeah. Take it away. This idea grew out of um, the, the research for the social media book. Nice. And we were thinking about ways to give people advice. Hold on. on. Wait, wait, wait. Plug the book. Ah, Manners in a Digital World, Living Well Online by Daniel Post-Sennings, the Emily Post Institute's uh, offering on digital manners and how to behave with mobile devices. Okay, all of that wasn't the title, but that's Dan <laughs> plugging the book. <laughs> no, it is. It's yeah. a great book. It does focus solely on digital manners, so we definitely yeah. recommend it. But talk about so, – so this is on the three tiers of conversation and that yeah. there's – some conversation. Tell, tell me. Talk about it. Absolutely. So whether the conversation is happening online or yeah. in person, these are three tiers that you can use to help think about what's appropriate to talk about in different situations and maybe even what are the best ways to approach certain topics. So tier one is what I like to think of as safe territory, and it's safe topics for small talk conversation. You can talk about these things anytime, anywhere with just about anybody. So what are those topics? I'm sure you're thinking of them in your head right now already. Make that little list, and here we go. Uh, Sports, the weather, (laughs) local celebrities, pop culture. So entertainment. What you had for breakfast that morning. Things that are very immediate. Things that are immediate to the environment (laughs) you're in, the microphone that's sitting in front of your face, the the, the lunch you're about to have. I'm going to interject and just say that we are not (laughs) guaranteeing that everyone will be interested in these conversations, but they are safe topics of conversation. They are safe topics of conversation, (laughs) and... 
if you want to be interesting, be interested. This is also advice I give when I'm teaching conversation sure. skills and concepts. That's cultivated curiosity about the world that you live in. Have a passion for the arts or a favorite sports team or just some curiosity about Something. the host that you're visiting because it's going to make you a more interesting person. Tier two of a conversation is potentially risky or controversial topics. And I think everybody Ooh. knows what those are. What are they? NTT, not table talk, religion, (laughs) (laughs) politics, dating, or your love life. So those are risky areas for conversation. Wait, wait, wait. I always thought that there was a fourth one in there. Are you saving the fourth one for somewhere else? Give me the fourth. Money. Uh, I am saving it. (laughs) So why is it tier two? Well, one thing is that— Yeah, why isn't money in tier two, or or why are the others tier two? Tier tier two, I'm going to say, are difficult conversations because people have very different opinions about these topics. Comfort levels about these topics, right? Yep. And they care passionately about them. Mm -hmm. So you're going to meet people of goodwill, good intent, intelligent people that have very different opinions about these topics than you do. That's a given. That's uh, by definition. Um, They might be better or worse at talking about them. They might... (laughs) (laughs) Um, they, they, well, I could think of a few people <laughs> in that category. <laughs> All right. Yes, but so you want to be careful about how you approach these topics. If we never talked about them, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Civil yeah. society would collapse. You, you have to be able to talk about these things. And they're interesting. But you want to be aware that you're in tier two. So what are some, some tips, some pieces of advice about being in tier two conversation? Know who you're talking with? Know who you're talking with. Don't stake out territory that's too strident or extreme until you have a sense of who your audience would is. Would this be like where you just... You you, you dip your toe in the water, get a feel for for if people are warm to this conversation, or maybe even have noticed. Let's just say you're at a at a at a party or something like that, mm-hmm. and you've had sort of the cocktail hour. You've heard someone drop a couple political comments. Yep. You realize you're probably in pretty safe territory to talk with them, either because they're on opposing sides, so you know how to come at it that mm-hmm. way, or because they're on the same side, so you want to engage and, and talk with someone who's similar. So that's like that's what yes. we mean by safe. Like it's yes. okay to and and other uh, other things that you can do as you start to to, to to wade into that territory, just be prepared to back back out. <laughs> that if you're not willing to cede the last word yeah. on a particular topic in, in in this tier, then don't dive into being with it's almost impossible to argue with someone who won't argue back. Oh, that's your opinion on that. Well it, and then and then you're done. You're and out. You Except Accept their perspective and their opinion and be ready to do that. You can also always admit when you've gone too far. You could always say, oh, Dan, it seems I've waded too far into this one with you. I think I'm going to have to back out for now. Absolutely. Your your, your willingness to, to, to disengage if it becomes heated or argumentative yeah. or, um, or if you start to feel that you might be giving someone some offense. <laughs> okay, so... So you already gave us one part of tier two. Yeah. So no, I gave or you one part three. of tier three. So yeah, talk to me about tier three. So tier two, just to be clear, that's something you maybe wouldn't bring that up with business colleagues or or business people right off the bat or mm-hmm. strangers, but but friends, new acquaintances, you yeah. might start dipping your toe into those waters and mm-hmm. see if those are acceptable yep. conversations. And, and with I'm them. just going to say, just like put put your put your little uh, alert <laughs> on, on when you start talking about these All things. Right. If you're doing it online, that's a very public place. Yeah. So if you're going to start talking politics or religion online, just be, be aware ready. that not your that your entire audience isn't going to feel the same way that you feel about a particular topic or subject. So tier three. Tier three. Lay it on me. The little mnemonic for remembering it is FF, family and finance. And these are the things that are the most intimate, that are the, the closest oh, like the most to, you, to you, the okay. most personal. And you just want to be careful with how you talk about these things because it, it gives an indication to the people that you're talking with about how you treat the most private things in life. 
So that you protect them and you guard them a little bit. That that it's that it's not. Some people their their favorite thing to talk about is their kids. In my life, I've definitely made the mistake of talking about these things too openly. Not not necessarily because it's. I think you've got good feelers. I think you've got a good sense for where people are for the most part. I'm shaking my head like no. I share way too much with way too many people. I'm way too open. I love to talk about. I don't really have kids. I'm just this an example. I love to talk about my kids. My favorite thing to talk about. Or I'm estranged from my parents. I haven't spoken with them in 20 years. You just don't know. You don't yeah. know the status of my family relationships. And before you ask a probing question about that, you really want to know that you're in safe. You wait for someone to open the door before you start to ask a probing question about someone's financial situation or someone's family. And the flip side of that is bringing it up. I will reference one of the most recent episodes of Girls where character Hannah is, you know, at her substitute teaching or teaching job and she starts talking about how she just found out a very detailed, intimate part of her father's life. Mm-hmm. And her boss or the principal of the school goes, I don't need to know, nor do I want to know. And she's talking about how she's explaining this is why she was having a bad day and blew up at a student. And he's going, you don't get it. Boundaries. (laughs) I don't want to know. I don't need to know. It shouldn't be something you talk with me about because it's FF. Well, it's for family, basically. It's such a perfect example. And I just a little aside, I want to remind people, high schools are clearing houses of information. (laughs) (laughs) There are spies in every home in your community and they go to this place and they talk with each other and they know everything. (laughs) Um, But no, absolutely. And that's and that's a perfect example of the family relationship. You know, and and teens who are thinking about what's appropriate to talk about online in public spaces. You don't want to talk about the fight your parents just had or the, the difficult health issue that your sister is struggling with unless you're pretty comfortable that you know your audience you know who you're talking to and that they're the appropriate audience for such personal information right um finance is the same way i just got a great deal on a house i love to talk about it i was just foreclosed on right and i don't want to hear about the short sale house that you just nailed and you've never been so excited in your life as a future employer yeah i look at your social media profile i see you talking about what you paid for a house it gives me an indication about your discretion (laughs) um So family and finance is the mnemonic. It's not that you never go there. Right. In fact, sometimes it's someone's favorite thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that you're in very intimate, very personal territory and you want to be careful. This is this is what you talk about with only the people you find most trusted. Yep. And who you built that rapport and trust with, they've already opened the door. I love it. So tier one. <clears throat> Small talk, sports, the weather, celebrities. Tier two. Risky, religion, politics, dating, or your love life. Tier three. FF, family and finance. All right. We hope you nail your conversations from here on out. And um, that's it for our Postscript segment. Let's get to our salute. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. Each week, we like to end our show on a positive note by saluting someone for their excellent etiquette. Uh, This week's salute comes from one of our listeners, and it begins. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I'm a big fan of your show, and I'd like to submit an (laughs) awesome etiquette salute. I recently started working at an organization with over 300 employees. My department is home to two colleagues who have made my first six months here successful. They're smart, helpful, and kind. There is one thing that they both do that I'm so appreciative of. They give me some context or warning about things that a person new to the organization might not necessarily know. For instance, there is a big public face 
fundraising project that occurs a few times a year. Our department doesn't participate, but at least 20% of the organization drops everything to work really hard long hours on this project for about two weeks straight. Right before it began, I got an email from one of them stating, hey, you might not know this, but there are going to be tables of food and drinks set up around the office. These are only for the people working on the project, so don't take anything from the tables unless they offer it to you. A gentle heads up like that prevented me from unknowingly doing something rude, and it meant that no other co-workers were put in the uncomfortable position of having to confront me. I really appreciated it, and I'm lucky to have these two showing me the ropes. Regards, Catherine. Isn't what that a nice, excellent salute, I and know, right? to all those um, unsung heroes who help us out in our daily work. <laughs> Many thanks. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Don't forget, there's no show without you, so send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. <laughs>